When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Sports for Dummies, episode nine. And we have a very, very special episode today because we are talking to one of Britain's greatest comic editors. We are talking to a man who has worked in the comic industry for a great number of years has worked on a complete iconic set of comics, one of which we're going to very very much focus on today. Um, we're going to be talking to Mr. Barry Tomlinson. Barry, how are you doing? Greetings. That was quite an introduction. Thank you very much. Of course. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. We know you're a busy man, busy, busy with comics. Yes, indeed. I'm just about retired now, but I uh, keep a close eye on what's going on in the world of comics, and I still have... Lots of contacts with people who used to be readers of the comics. Yeah, amazing. So I guess, Barry, we're going to throw it all the way back because the question I have to kind of kick things off really is, were you a comic book fan as a child? I think that's what everyone wants to know. Of course, working in the world of comics for a very, very long time. Did your passion start when you were young? I read comics as a child. I used to read Dandy Beano and Radio Fun and later on Eagle when it was launched. But I, I was just a comic reader. I wasn't a fanatic at all. And the only reason I got involved in the world of comics was I saw an advertisement which said, beginners wanted for children's comics. So I applied as a beginner and I got a job as a sub-editor. First of all, on Lion Comic, where I learned the trade and learned how to be a good editorial person. I had a very good tutor. Bernard Smith was the editor of Lyon at that time, and he taught me the whole system. So that was in 1961 when I first got involved in the world of comics, and uh, I didn't look back after that. I guess, Barry, there is so much to cover because you've worked on a number of different comics, one of which, of course, is Roy of the Rovers, which we're going to go into lots of depth about because this is the Sports Alumni's podcast. But I had a question for you about Roy of the Rovers because I know you've edited it and you've worked in different sections of the of the comic book world. Can you kind of break down for our listeners what the comic book world looks like in terms of a job? Because I think a lot of people just assume that there's one person that does all the drawings and all the writings and all the different bits and bobs. Can you kind of give us a breakdown of what the, the world looks like? Yes, well, on each comic, there would be four editorial people, the editor, a sub-editor, an art editor, and an art assistant. 
there would be the four staff members and all the artists and writers were freelance. So it was a very small editorial team and quite a big team of freelance contributors. One of your characters that we're going to touch on in more detail, I'm sure, is Roy Race, a fictional character uh, who was a footballer and then a manager, if I'm not mistaken. Fictional, fictional. (laughs) No one told, told me that. I was going to ask you if he was, if that character was inspired by someone that you that you know or that you kind of had any dealings with. Well, I, I was very lucky to inherit Roy the Rovers when I became editor of Tiger. Roy the Rovers was already the main character in that title. Tiger was launched in 1954, and Roy the Rovers was one of the stories in that comic, and it was always the most popular comic in that. Mm-hmm in that publication. And over the years, of course, many people suggested that various real-life footballers were like Roy of the Rovers, Bobby Charlton in the early days, and later on, Malcolm McDonald. So Roy was whatever you, whoever you wanted him to be, really. So he had a lot of different personality traits that could match to, to different people in the industry. I think people real-life footballers match themselves to Roy rather than the other way around. (laughs) And I had a question for you, Barry, because I'm very intrigued kind of following off the back of that. You know, you've been dealing with comics your whole life and you've had to, you know, read in one interview, you said you've gone through the alphabet of names three times at least for for different women's names, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm intrigued. That that was was in the score, a football strip I did for the Daily Mirror that appeared six days a week for 22 years. And... The hero of that story, Dave's story, had a whole lot of girlfriends. So we went through the letters of the alphabet um, about three times, I think, with Dave's girlfriends. <laughs> and how did, you keep, how did you keep track, Barry? How did you keep track of all the different storylines? Because that's what I was going to ask about in terms of the Daily Mail, I'm sorry, Daily Mirror. I'm very intrigued to know, how did you remember what was going on? Because you're effectively writing a life of somebody else which doesn't exist, but on a daily basis, so six times a week. It doesn't exist. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, you try and tie in the storyline with what's happening in the real world of football. You try to have the FA Cup games on the right days. We show Christmas at the right time and so on. So you imagine what's happening in real life football. In terms of writing about football then, compared to football now, what key differences would you find if you were doing it nowadays com- compared to back then? I think I'd find it very different. In those days, it was very easy to get in touch with real-life footballers. For example, when I was editing Tiger, we had people like Gordon Banks, Trevor Francis, Malcolm McDonald writing for us, and I had direct contact with those players. Whereas today, I think I'd have to do it through agents and there'd be vast sums of money involved. So it was easier in a way in my day when I was editing. And I was fortunate that Tiger Comic and Roy the Rovers meant a lot to so many people. They'd grown up reading those comics. So when I wanted someone to do something, they were pleased to do it. So access would be the biggest difference, really, in what you're saying there. Yes, I think that's the biggest difference. And... uh, because, and also the fact that in those days, most of the players were homegrown players, whereas now each team has lots of international players in the side. And we did feature that in Roy the Rovers um, as the story went on. 
But uh, I think that's one of the main changes. And the fact that you could deal with the players themselves, which made the life much easier. And Barry, on that note then as well, I'm very intrigued. Do you support a football, a specific football team? Melchester Rovers, of course. And, and also um, St Albans City Football Club, which, which is where I was born and bred in St Albans. So I still follow them very much. So it's Melchester and St Albans. Excellent. Well, I'm from St Albans as well, so it's brilliant stuff that. Yeah, come on the Saints. Um, but yes, yeah, so I guess talking kind of an overview of Roy of the Rovers for those that are listening, can you kind of explain what the magazine was about? So we kind of touched on this player. How long did his journey exist for? Was it a career? Was it kind of an in-depth span? What did his yeah, career look like within the comics? Well, when Roy first appeared in 1954 in Tiger, he was a young boy straight from school getting a trial with the famous Melchester Rovers. And we showed him his career blossoming. He eventually got into the first team, eventually became captain, and after that became player-manager. So we got to a stage where he didn't age too much. <laughs> and if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, when it came to his demise, it was a helicopter crash. Where did the inspiration come for that? Well, zero as far as I'm concerned, because it happened after I left the comic. It's not something that would have happened if I was editing. Okay, think, what would you have done? I think to have the hero lose his foot in a helicopter crash was not the right thing to do. You don't do that with a, a main football hero. Uh, I would have had him carry on. I wouldn't have him stop playing. But as I say, it was after my time, so I could only look on and watch with horror. Yeah, because I was going to ask as well, Barry. So, you know, Roy of the Rovers picked up a little bit and it was sort of on and off a bit over the 90s. And then it officially shut uh, May 2001, then reopened in 2018. Was just interested to get your opinion on it. What do you think about a comic like that resurfacing? Um, and have you read any, any of it? And what's your opinion on it versus when you were writing? How do you feel? Because as you said, the game's changed quite a lot. So mm. what do you think about that? Because as you've said, players aren't as, as accessible. Um, yeah, so I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Yes, of course, we, um, Roy the Rovers has been relaunched now and it's done for today's audiences. Um, it, it's very different to the character that I was involved with and which I edited. But I think they're doing a good job on, on that. I'm not involved with it at all. Once again, I can only look on with interest and uh, with a few comments perhaps. But um, Roy the Rovers, the original Roy the Rovers lasted so long. He went through many different changes during that time. And uh, it's good that they're now producing a Roy for today's audience. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. oh, go on, Hope. No, I was going to say, it's a bit like Disney, how they keep bringing back the old films for a new generation. But it must be difficult for you, Barry, for being involved in the early days to kind of let it go to someone else. And I know you mentioned there how you can look on and you have a few comments or you look on in interest, but you also use the word horror. So sometimes there must be moments where you're like, oh no, that's not what I would have done. No. <laughs> yes, quite frequently. Yeah. It's very good though that the original Roy the Robe stories are still being reprinted and books are coming out with all those original stories in. So it's quite exciting to see them seeing the light of day light of day again and a new age of readers getting involved with the character. And it's kind of like your legacy as well, Barry, would you say? 
because I mean, I asked you that question about the helicopter crash because I thought, oh, you must have been still involved because it's your baby. So a lot of people match you up with it. Yes, it's still very nice to be associated with the title. Um, I've got a, uh, lots of people on Twitter who follow me who were readers of the original Roy the Rovers. And it's amazing how they remember what happened. They ask me questions about things that went on, which I don't always know the answer to. That's and lovely. What were yet yeah, then, Barry, on that note then, what would you say is the most random comment you've ever had from somebody? So like, say, someone's remembered the most pinpoint thing about Roy or one of the other characters. Are there any moments that stand out in your head where you've read a comment from a fan and you've gone, wow, I can't, I, you know, you completely forgot that that had happened? Well, there's that aspect of it. There's also the fact that they say, you made such a difference to my childhood. I grew up reading your comics and you've made my life so much better, so much more interesting and kept me amused. And it's nice that people after all this time still remember what we did and remember what they read at that time. In terms of kind of the young people who read the comic back in the day or even now, um, is there any footballers who have reached out to you and said, oh, thank you for that content. I read it when I was younger and it inspired me to, to be in football. Well, I know people like Malcolm McDonald, um, he was always a Roy and the Rovers reader. And uh, he, on times that I've spoken to him, he still remembers reading it. And it did inspire him to, to, great, to great heights and great effort. And it was, it was very good for me that once we had Roy the Rovers managing the England team and Roy chose his own England team, um, he chose it mainly from the characters in the comics, but we, we added to that that Malcolm McDonald and Trevor Francis played in the England team. And England beat Holland 5-1. Malcolm McDonald scored two. Trevor Francis got a hat-trick. And you know what? Roy didn't score himself. That only happens in comics. <laughs> Roy, I was going to ask you in terms of today, how would you say the comic book landscape has changed when you were writing versus now? Because obviously a lot of things have become more digital and technology has really taken an advance, say, in the 21st century. Where do you see the comic book world going um, now that everything is so digital and online? Well, there's lots of enthusiasts still producing comics, but they're quite small circulation comics. I mean, in the days when I was editing, we had circulations perhaps of 300,000 on Roy the Rovers and Tiger. And on one of my comics, um, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, that went up to almost a million. But you wouldn't get those sort of circulations today. Wow. What an, that's an incredible one million. What an incredible number. What would be almost, almost a million? Oh, sorry, almost, sorry, almost a million, almost a million. What was the highlight then of your career? If you had to pinpoint one thing, even if it's specifically to do with Roy the Rovers, as we've discussed for sports, what would you go for as your pinnacle moment in your career? Or maybe a moment where you've met somebody um, and they've said a comment, as you've said earlier, like you changed my childhood. What would your pinpoint moment be if you had to pick one? Well, I think I was very excited to be able to launch Roy the Rovers as a separate comic. In his early years, he was in Tiger, but he was so popular, I thought that he should have his own comic. And when they asked me to produce a new football comic, I suggested it should be called Roy the Rovers. So we launched that in 1976. And I was very pleased that I wrote to Buckingham Palace and asked the Duke of Edinburgh if he'd write for the first issue, which he agreed to do. Oh, wow. So that was a bit of a scoop. And then at the time that Roy was shot, um, and he was in hospital in a coma. 
I had to find someone to manage the Melchester Rovers team. So I asked Sir Ralph Ramsey if he would take over the team and he agreed to do so. And uh, he, he was a great, he was very happy to be involved. He knew the story. And so we featured him over quite a number of weeks managing the team. Wow. And in fact, on one occasion, um, Melchester Rovers won 14 nil, which is a record to this day. And the sound of the crowd cheering that score woke Roy from his coma. Oh! So I'm very grateful to Sir Ralph for organising that. Fantastic. What a great story. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could choose these, when people do the Fantasy Football League, if you could choose the players that you created and the team to, to be players? That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? It would be very nice to be able to do that, wouldn't it? I, in my dreams, perhaps. <laughs> 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 I, think, I think it was nice that not only did we involve real-life football characters in the comics, um, Morecambe and Wise, was, they were the top act in show business at the time I was editing the comics. So I wrote to them and got in touch with them. And Eric Morecambe signed for Royal Rovers and Ernie Wise signed for Tiger. So we had them both contributing articles in each of the comics and featuring in special features like the Christmas issue where they're both dressed up as Father Christmas just for the comics. No money involved. It was just the titles meant things to people. Yeah. And Barry, are you, st- are you still creative in your time? I know you mentioned that you're kind of retired now. Do you ever do any creative writing yourself still? Well, I've um, had two books published. One was called Real Roy the Rovers Stuff, which was all about my time with Roy the Rovers. And the other one was Comic Book Hero, which was about all the other comics I edited. And I've just finished my third book, which is my life story, featuring some more of the comics information, but uh, mainly my life story as a whole. And I'm still waiting for a publisher for that. So any publisher listening, the book's already finished. Excellent. Wow. So, yes, you have been busy writing is the answer. (laughs) I have been fairly busy, yes. Barry, I was going to ask you as well then, so we've kind of touched on some of the highlights, but the question is maybe for those listening that don't know a lot of maybe the challenges that you faced, what were some of the challenges in the comic book industry? And I guess maybe as you've got older, especially in your time of working in the comic book industry, when the TV world started to boom, how did you combat that? And how did you make sure that your stories were fresh and up to date while, say, TV was becoming so popular? And what, yeah, what were the challenges? Yes, television was a challenge for the comics. The circulation started to go down a bit. because In the early days, the main thing in, in a child's life was the delivery of his comic once a week through the letterbox. Then gradually other things started to come in, television and computers, and it was more of a battle to keep their interest. When I relaunched Eagle Comic, I decided that many of the stories would be told in photographs rather than drawings because I thought that photographs was the nearest we could get to television. But in fact, that didn't work. The readers didn't like the photo stories at all. So we had to drop those and go back to drawings again. And I think also involving characters like Morecambe and Wise in the comics tried to give us a link into the world of television. And so we tried to balance that out between our existing material and bringing in these new television characters into the comics. But it it certainly was a challenge. 
It sounds like a nicer and simpler time thinking of children running to the letterbox to get their magazine rather than playing on PlayStation here and watching this show here. It sounds like a nicer time. It, it was lovely, yes. People still write to me to say that they waited for the rattle of the letterbox once a week and oh. they persuaded their dad to order the comic regularly, have it delivered with the morning newspaper. And one of the secrets of having a successful comic was to get dad as a reader as well. If you got dad mm. to read it, he didn't mind ordering it with the paper. So get the dads on time was a big secret. Wow. How did you do that? How did you get the dads on side? We whilst making the very, stories kid-friendly? We produce, we produce very good material. <laughs> <laughs> good, good answer. <laughs> I was very lucky as the editor that we had some very good script writers and very good artists. The artists I think we had were absolutely brilliant. And Barry, I was going to ask you as well, because it sounds like your, you know, your career at Roy of the Rovers was absolutely amazing and you achieved so much in that time. In 1989, it did come to an end. Why was there a reason for that? Had you decided that actually your time was done there and that you wanted to move on? What was the sort of process behind that? Well, I like to think it ended because I was not involved anymore. Um, um, towards the end of my career, I put an idea into the management that as circulations were dropping a bit, that I should go freelance, take all, all the editors from my group with me, and we'd produce the comics from home, thereby saving the publishers a great deal of money. And the publisher said, that's a brilliant idea, off you go. So we went and worked from home. But after only about 18 months, a new publisher came on the scene. A new publisher bought the comics, and they didn't like the idea of people working at home. So one by one, all my titles were taken away from me. And so that's how I stopped being involved with Roy the Rovers and could only look on then as a reader. That must have been a really difficult time for you, having it that pulled out difficult. from under your feet. Yeah. Yes, it was very difficult indeed. Fortunately, the Daily Mirror job came along just about at the same time. So I was still able to get involved with the football story and write a football story. And that kept me busy for 22 years, six days a week. When one door closes, hey? Yes, indeed. One door slammed very hard <laughs> and the other one opened. The draft of that opened the other door. Wow. Yeah, I think that's really inspiring, actually, and the fact that not uh, even when something so drastically awful happens, never to give up on your dreams, and clearly that you didn't, because actually the moment that you kept striving, you've got score around the corner with the Daily Mirror, and 22 years later, you know, you've got the most amazing story. So I was going to ask as well, how much you've said kind of, you know, your comics were inspired by real life. Were there any stories that you took from different walks of life? So not necessarily football. Had you taken any, say, from other sports that you maybe you're inspired by or sporting stories that you'd heard? You know, it could have been the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games, anything like that, that you actually thought, you know what, that's a really good idea that I can weave in here into a football story. Well, I wanted to get some other sports into the comics because football obviously dominated, certainly in Roy the Rovers, but in Tiger as well. And I wanted to introduce other sports into Tiger. So we introduced cricket in the cricket season. Um, there's a story called Billy's Boots, which was one of the most popular stories in Tiger. And he had a magic pair of boots, which saw him through the winter months. But I arranged for him to find also an old pair of cricket boots, which had that magic touch. So we switched that story to cricket in the summer. And we started to involve um, River Life Cricketers to write for Tiger. We had Jeffrey Boycott, Tony Gregg and Ian Botham writing 
for Tiger at various times. So that it was good that we could spread the sports, not just concentrate on football, but to have certainly cricket in the summer months. And to have those top cricketers writing for us was, it was a big bonus. Appeals to a, a wider audience then and also can inspire more people who maybe think, oh, actually, football's not for me, but I'll give cricket a go. Yes, indeed. That's, I think we did inspire quite a few people to get involved in sports. Right, this has been an absolutely fantastic chat. Thank you so much. I wanted to kind of wrap it up and ask you, for anyone listening, you know, any young writers that are interested in the comic book world or are thinking about going into it, what advice would you give them now to like pursue their career and their dream of becoming a comic book writer or editor? What would you say? Well, always remember, it's the reader that comes first. You're producing stories for a reader, not for yourself. Don't do what you like. Do what you think the readers would like and talk to your um, potential audience, talk to them, find out what they like, what they don't like, get stuff done, show it to them, get their comments, because that's the most important thing. It's the reader that's important, not the editor. Did you love football before Roy the Rovers or did that really kind of make you love it more? Cricket was always my favourite sport, um, but certainly um, having Roy the Rovers meant that I had to keep a very close eye on what was happening in the world of football. And I took, we were talking about the characters in the comics. The great thing about comic characters is that they don't age. They stay at the same age all the time. Unfortunately, comic editors don't do that, which I think is very unfair. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if only it was like the comics, eh? If only. <laughs> well Barry thank you ever so much for your time we know that you're busy so thank you so much for spending some time chatting to us um, and pleasure. if if people want to go and check out your books that you mentioned earlier um, where can they go and buy them? Um, they're still available online um, they're in very short supply but certainly the um, Kindle editions are still available freely available and go online you can find them there Brilliant. Thank you, Barry. Yeah, Barry, thank, thank you. you so much. You absolute legend. Wish you all the best in your retirement. And hopefully we'll be hearing some more from you. And we're looking forward to seeing your third book published very, very soon. Please, any publishers, do get in touch. Thanks so much. Great talking to you. Take care, Barry. All the best. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.